Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming up next on Believe in Soccer, a deep dive into our game. A New York Red Bulls team seeking its first winning streak of 2020. The Shep Messing Daily Cast begins now. Hello and welcome again. Episode 5, the last this week as we drop a fresh podcast Monday through Friday. My name is Steve Cangelosi. This is Chef Messing's podcast covering the world game. But there's a saying, think globally, act locally. And that's why once a week we'll dedicate the show that drops on Friday to what we call our game. The game we're assigned to call for the coming weekend. And for us, that's Red Bulls FC Cincinnati and MLS. For the third time this season, by the way, we'll be joined in a moment by the Red Bull player with more career goals for this club than any active player on the team, Daniel Royer. Considering what happened at the MLS's back tournament in Orlando, I'd say this one is personal, right? They have to be thinking payback, Shep. Well, Steve, I think any any team during the course of a season, they're going to have their ups and their downs. No question that that game you alluded to, a, a very low point for New York Red Bulls. And you talk about re- redemption. Look, it's always great to get the win. So that game against D.C. United, you know, hopefully the guys in the locker room are thinking, OK, we're on a little bit of a roll. We got a result. Let's smack FC Cincinnati around on Saturday. All right, but the last time at MLS is back, I looked at that as the most disappointing result since the end of the 2002 season. Remember the collapse in the season's final two weeks, including a Tim Howard red card? They missed the playoffs. That, I thought, represented the magnitude of the defeat. Now, there was a process of putting that behind them that I thought came right away. The win over New York City in the first game back as the season was resumed in local markets, that had very little staying power. What happened? Well, Steve, a couple of things. First of all, I, I, think, I think it's an overreaction to talk about how disappointing that loss was because we're not giving enough credit to, to Yop Stam, who totally turned his team around in that MLS is back tournament. He came out, he got smacked around by Columbus, and he said, wait a minute. Hey, look, Yabstam was a big, big player. He's a very smart guy. And he looked after that spanking by Columbus. He said, I can't play that way. I don't have guys on the roster to do it. And against, against New York Red Bulls, they were unbelievably disciplined. Look, did he have to get a break and get a goal? Yeah, they did that. But defensively, that's Yabstam at his best saying, here's what I got in the locker room. Here's how I have to play. So, look, Red Bulls have rebounded. It goes from game to game. Players and coaches really don't look ahead a month, and they don't look back a month. You, you take your momentum from the last game, so hopefully Red Bulls are ready. Taco able to drill this ball in, and it go! And the Red Bulls are on the board! Welcome back, Aaron Long! It's one nothing. When Aaron Long finishes the set piece by Kaku. Did you sense a great weight lifted off the shoulders of this group? I'll tell you what, the way the goal was scored, the players that created it, first the, the foul and Kaku, uh, that's what he does best. That's a perfect ball. Aaron Long streaking in at the near post, edge of the six-yard box. Yeah, a great goal like that by two of the big players. That even gives it more juice. 
What did you think of the overall performance? Uh, everybody likes two nothing. Two goalkeepers combined for a clean sheet. But what did you make overall? What I liked in particular, me personally, was what they did in the final 20-minute stretch. It almost seemed that like they could play another 30 minutes. There was that kind of energy in particular from players like Ben Mines off the bench. Yeah, you got that right, Steve, because I'll tell you, the first 45 minutes, not great. They could have had two or three goals, D.C. United. The three-on-one breakaway, Ryan Mara with the save, then Mara with the big save on, on the volley. There was some chaos in their own penalty area. So, you know, one nothing at halftime really didn't reflect the way the game went. But to your point, I love the way they finished the game. I mean, the subs that came in, Ben Mines included, Florian Velo. I mean, these guys really ramped it up, and 2 nothing was not enough. They were looking for a third. And perhaps no Red Bull fan felt easy about what was happening until Daniel Royer did this. But Royer scores on a gorgeous volley, and the Red Bulls have a 2 nothing lead. And oh, did he need that one. Danny Royer doubles the Red Bulls' advantage. Look at this. We've been talking about it. Where are the strikers? And Danny Royer, bang, takes it out of the air, inside of the left foot, on the full volley. Boom. No chance for Chris Seitz. So the schedule has come full circle. This season for the Red Bulls and Daniel Royer was part of an explosion opening day that saw the Red Bulls score three times in the season's first 70 minutes. They held on that day for a 3-2 victory over FC Cincinnati. A lot has happened since. Daniel, thank you for joining us. I can watch the goal 100 times that you scored on Saturday because it was that beautiful, just like you volley in practice every day, I suppose. I mean, uh, I don't, don't hit it like that every day because uh, I think that's, uh, that was not an easy finish, uh, I suppose. But, yeah, I'm really happy that it worked out on the weekend. But, you know, that's, those are things, obviously, that we, we train uh, in, in practice, good crosses and running into the box and having some good finishing. Daniel, with all that went on last week, the change in managers, uh, it had to uh, be a big relief that game against D.C. United. What's the mood in the locker room with the guys? I mean, it was a big relief in general, you know, not only – uh, with uh, what's going on with the training uh, coach situation. But um, just for us as, as players and as a team as well, obviously, because we haven't had uh, the greatest results before that. But um, that was an important win. I think uh, a good game. And, you know, then we, we always have a good atmosphere in the locker room. Our team spirit is always uh, special and, and really good. But obviously after a win like that, it's, it's even better, so the locker room is doing really well. Chris Armas spoke highly of you on many occasions in his time here. Losing a job, of course, hurts him personally. Uh, maybe it can hurt for the players, too. What did you guys feel, you specifically, Daniel, when you got the news that morning that Bradley Carnell was taking over? Yeah, I mean, we all felt very sad. And obviously, we all felt responsible as well. Because, you know... Um, it's at the end of the day, it's the players who are on the field and then try to get a result and try to, to um, perform and, and have success on the field, and um, which we haven't done in, in the best way, um, I guess. So, um, so you, you also feel responsible as a player, and it's very sad to see him leaving because we all know how much he put into 
um, this club, he's he's a worker, man, and um, he he spends so much time thinking of of everything and and trying his best, you know. So we we all felt uh, responsible and was sad. Um, but yeah, we we all obviously wish him wish him the best. Daniel, we've seen many players over the years come to Major League Soccer, international players, who have a very difficult time acclimating, adjusting, and, and really hitting their stride. Uh, you obviously have done that. Uh, why? How, how easy or how difficult was it for you? It was both at the same time, uh, I'd say, because it, it was difficult for me because of, you know, just the entire adjustment that you have, like a new country, like it's trying to settle down as quickly as possible, like with an, an apartment and everything. You, it's a new philosophy, like a new style of play that you really have to learn and really have, like you really have to, to be willing to uh, work hard every single day and practice to know what this club is about. But on the other hand, it was very easy because... I think my teammates and the coaching staff, they made those difficult things easy for me because they welcomed me in, in the best way possible. They were working with me every single day. Jesse Marsh, Chris Armas, uh, all the, the, the coaching staff every day was working with me, showed me clips, showed me videos, um, doing individual work. So I felt like I, I had a lot of support, you know, and also my teammates were amazing I, i've never experienced that before that you have so many helpful and communicative teammates once you arrive at a new club so they helped me i was ready to work ready to to get going and that was the deal your transfer to the red bulls was august 3rd 2016 you don't stay four years unless you like something about the club and this country did you think you'd be here four plus seasons when you set foot on u.s soil um, to be honest with you, no. I mean, it's it's a job where or a business where you never know for how long you're gonna stay. But once I came here, I think I signed for one and a half years plus one year option. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, you never know. But when you look back to my previous career, I stayed with every club. I only stayed for one year, except for one club I stayed with for two years. So. I did not expect to be here after four years, but I'm really happy that I am. It was uh, the best decision I've ever took, probably, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Danny, you make a, a great point about how you were welcomed here because obviously in, in Austria and you've played in, in Germany and in Europe in general, sometimes it's a very cutthroat locker room with new players coming in and everybody fighting to keep their job. It's a different atmosphere. You just talked about it when you came to Red Bulls. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, I, I think it always, you can't just say in Europe, because I think also in, in the countries, there are differences, you know? So in, in one country, the locker room is tougher than in, in another country. But I've definitely, uh, I definitely experienced locker rooms where it's very tough and very cutthroat and um, where your competitor for the position is not your friend. And uh, I honestly, I never liked that because at the end of the day, you're one team, you want to win together, you lose together, you got to stick together and you're going to reach your goals together. So 
it's all right to have like uh you know a, a competition but it shouldn't go in a, in a negative way or you know in yeah in in a way that that it's it's not affecting you in a good way you know so um i like that a lot here that we have a such a great team spirit and such a great locker room you can hang out with the boys with with anyone it's they're all great um but once it comes to training and once it comes to the game you gotta know when to turn it on and when also to to be hard on yourself and hard on your teammates let me turn our attention to the game coming up this saturday uh the result versus Cincinnati at the MLS's back tournament was tremendously disappointing. A uh, few of us saw it coming. I imagine it was humbling for the group in the locker room as well. What was the ride home from Orlando like after such a loss? Yeah, that was that was a bad ride home. Um, that was not what we expected, not what we wanted, um, and uh, and a disappointing result. But um, you know, it's it's a long time ever since, and uh, I think we'll will show up in a different way on Saturday. Danny, we're up in the broadcast booth uh, getting the pleasure of watching your game. And from up there where I look at it, and I know maybe you can't give a diplomatic answer, uh, Chris Armas told us he's going to play you, which he did up front, because you're the best clinical finisher. And certainly you do a great job up there. But from my view, I love you better in a wide position in the midfield where you can get some space to take a player on, obviously you're going to do whatever the team wants. Do you have a preference? It's really hard to tell. Um, I mean, the majority of my career I played on the, on the left wing or as a left eight or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I got more and more comfortable with the striker position. Uh, we tried it in preseason. We tried it in in a few games. Um, we started the season against Cincinnati like that, and, and I scored. And I think last year I had a few games as a striker. So, you know, um, when it comes to those two positions, I'm pretty easy going. Uh, I'll play where, wherever the, the coach wants me to play, and I try, I try my best. But the most experience, obviously, I bring on, on, uh, as a left winger. There's a lot going on around the world this weekend. And uh, I remember you said that even though you're a Vienna guy, you took great pride in what Jesse Marsh did with uh, Red Bull Salzburg, uh, with going to the Champions League and, and winning the league last year. Uh, what influenced you as a young man in Austria? And what is the most popular league in your homeland? Is it the German League? Is it England? Or, or is it the domestic league there itself? Um, I'd say it's Germany and England. I mean, you like back home. I think they follow England, Germany, Spain, Italy, the most. I think, but um, you know, I think I think number one might be Germany, and slightly after the the Premier League, in, in just in a sense of uh, you know popularity back home. But um, you know, all these leagues are obviously top-notch and everybody in Austria wants to make the move to to England, Germany uh, one day. Well, Danny, I know that you and your teammates hope it was a breakthrough against DC, the victory last week. Good luck moving forward and we're going to have fun calling the action on Saturday. Thanks for doing this today. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. So good hearing from Daniel Royer. In the aftermath of Bradley Wright Phillips' stay with this team, he's indispensable. I don't think 
that's a word uh, that's too strong to fit the situation. He needs to produce or this team will not be what it's capable of being. Well, we talked about it uh, just now with Danny. And, and look, I've always preferred him in a wide midfield role on the left side. He's been used out of necessity as a striker. And he told us he's comfortable with both. I still think somebody has to step up there, Steve, and win that, that position up top, whether it's Jorgensen or Brian White or Tom Barlow or Tete when he's ready. Uh, and again, if that happens, this will be a stronger team with Royer back in the midfield. Okay, but let's say Yapstam takes the same approach that he did in Orlando because the Red Bulls had great difficulty breaking down a five-man back line. What does Bradley Carnell do? Does he go with two strikers again for the simple reason that that's the formation and with three in the back, which I'll get to in a moment, that got this team back on a winning track? That's, that's a good point, and, and one, I think, that is a big factor in the game. When you look at Yopstam and FC Cincinnati, you know, again, it's either a 3-5-2 or 5 in the back. Against NYCFC, Cincinnati didn't sit back with, with 5 in the back. They tried to play. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but I do think both teams come out in a 3-5-2. And when that happens, Steve... It's not as much tactical like trying to find the space. When you match formations, if both teams come out 3-5-2, it's about winning your individual battles. When you play a different formation, it's about exploiting space on the other side. Everything about this matchup says the Red Bulls should own it, right? They have reason to be motivated, lost to them the last time around. They're playing a team in a bad way that's traveling to New Jersey for the second time in a span of less than seven days to play. They were goalless in 550 consecutive minutes until Brandon Vasquez scored in the second half of the game against New York City. And I guess that's what scares me about this game. Everything leads to Red Bull win. And then there's always a surprise behind the door when we say these types of things. And there's always something going on, Steve. What's happened between last game and Saturday's game? some rumors about Tim Parker, right? LAFC, who knows what's going on? And that gets in a player's head. Uh, obviously, we don't know the lineup for Saturday night, but talk like that is disturbing for players. Should it be a win? Yeah, it should be. But in Major League Soccer, hey, nothing's guaranteed. Who scares you on Cincinnati? Harris Madunyanin now is 35 years old, still one of the best pure passers. Adrian Regatton has two assists, the only player with two assists on the team, but he's departed the club. Locadia is their DP. How do they try to formulate wins? You can't win unless you score, and that's the issue with Cincinnati. Yeah, you go back to Madunyanin. You know, to me, you mentioned the age, 35, but he's he's a deep-lying playmaker deep in the central part of the midfield, and he could still thread a pass. Uh, he actually intercepted a ball and made the entry pass for the goal against NYCFC. So, it, it, look, they have some weapons. They have Waston on set pieces. <laughs> we know what he did to Red Bulls a few years ago on set pieces. He's a big man on corner kicks, set pieces. So you got to worry about everybody. There's nobody in particular to worry about. But I go back to the D.C. United game. There were some big defensive blunders in, in the first half. You cannot afford to do that. Only 53 minutes from Drew Yearwood, the newest Red Bull. But, Shep, those were a good 53 minutes. 
Yeah, and Steve, it wasn't what he did on the ball. It was his body language that I liked. We both saw him on the field. Every play, every movement of the ball, he had his hands out. He was pointing. He was gesturing. What does that tell you? That tells you that this is a, a player that's confident, that knows how to play, not afraid as a new player to assert himself. He was acting like a captain on the field, and I, I love that about him. I'll end with this. A two-assist game for Kaku on Saturday, and believe it or not, he factored into a Red Bulls goal for the first time since July 11th in that victory against Atlanta at the MLS is back tournament. Kaku now has to adopt the approach that this is his team, he is the chief playmaker, and it rests on his shoulders. He had that look in his eye throughout the game on Saturday night. Steve, you and I have been broadcasting these games since before Kaku came here. And what have I repeatedly been saying? They've got to find him with the ball. He's got to find the game. To me, he does not have enough of the ball in 90 minutes. We know his talent. We know his precision. We've talked about it before. Everybody has a guy that they want to play through. And for me, that's Kaku. We hope you've enjoyed the first week of Believe in Soccer. The Shep Messing Daily Cast should be an interesting week ahead. Dax McCarty of Nashville is expected to join us. We're going to talk about Luis Robles, too, who's going to face his former team, the one-time Red Bulls Ironman, and what should be emotional. Thanks for joining us on Believe in Soccer, the Shep Messing Daily Cast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.